0: Hey everyone, welcome to At The Table. Welcome to episode six of the podcast. We hope you're enjoying it as we keep reading through the Easter story. Once again, we sound a little bit different because we're recording this via video chat. So it's very much a digital virtual table but we're still at the table. Just a little shout out for our social media channels. We would love you to follow us on there and also to join our Facebook group. So to find us on Instagram, we are table underscore podcast. On Twitter, we are att underscore underscore podcast, double underscore. And to find our Facebook group, go to Facebook, type in Faversham Salvation Army and you should find our group under that Facebook page, um, the At The Table Facebook group. We would love it if you would follow us and join those groups and just connect with us and tell us how you're feeling about what we're talking about, if you completely disagree with something we're saying, or you just wanna say, hey, we'd love that. Something else we'd also really like is for you to give us a review or give us five stars, hopefully, or less. Actually, don't give us less, just give us five stars. (laughs) on Apple Podcasts, and other places, because it really helps us um, to know if we're doing a good job or a bad job, and also helps people to find us. Okay, enough of the plug-in. Let's get on with the Easter story. With me is Beth. Hi. John. Hello. Lucy. Hello. And the two cats. They're here again. woo So in this episode, we're going to be looking at the trial of Jesus, and thinking about Pontius Pilate. So Beth, do you mind reading for us? It is Luke 22 and we're starting at verse 63 and then we're going to keep going until we reach Luke 23, verse 25. You can do that. Thanks, Beth.
1: You're welcome, Joe.
0: <laughs> oh, it's going to go so well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it starts off with the heading, The guards Mock Jesus. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him, They blindfolded him and demanded, Prophecy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. And then we continue the story with Jesus before Pilate and Herod. At daybreak, the council of elders of the people, both chief priests and teachers of the law, met together and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. If I asked you you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we have found this man subverting our nation He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of Jews? You have said so, replied Jesus. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted, he stirs up the people all over Judea by teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked the man if he was Galilean. When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at the time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He piled him with many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and teachers of the law were standing there, permanently accusing him when Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Pilate called together the chief priests, rulers and people and said to them, you brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to a rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and I found no basis for the charges against him. Neither has Herod. For he sent him back to us. As you can see, he has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown in prison for insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time he spoke to them, Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found him in no grounds for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. But with the loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for and surrendered Jesus to their will.
0: So what do you guys think about the way that Jesus answers the questions that are put to him? Like, are you the Messiah? And is it true that you're King of the Jews?
1: What would the, when he says, if you say I am.
0: Yeah, it kind of gives it back to them. Yeah. What do you think about that?
1: I don't know. Sometimes I read it and I think it's kind of a little bit, almost like, you know, um, this is coming from like a teacher experience. When I was in school and I would say something to the, um, a student and they would go, well, you said it. Like, it's almost kind of cheeky. Hmm. Yeah. Then, but I don't necessarily think that's what Jesus is doing, but it just, it just reminded me. Yeah. I think it's interesting that he's very much placing it on them in a sense of, well, if you say I'm the Son of Man, why are you, why is that a bad thing? You know, it's almost saying, is it so wrong that I am the Son of Man? You know, if you say I am, what does that mean for you? It's kind of, he's, it's almost like very directive kind of personal things to kind of cause this inner conflict with them.
2: Being Son of God.
1: Yeah. Did so I a say son of man?
2: Yeah, I got really confused. Sorry,
1: so, sorry, son of God. Correction.
2: Um, I think it just reminds me of that whole conversation we've had a couple of episodes ago when he was kind of being really, like, what's um, the word I'm trying playful. to think? Playful? With the at the Last Supper, where it's kind of like, well, am I? Or shan't I? Or that kind of thing. And it's almost like he's bringing that side back out
0: Yeah, a bit mysterious.
2: Yeah. Elusive.
1: He loves an elusive
2: comment. Yes. But I would have loved to have been a fly fly on the wall in that because it would have been really interesting, their reaction, because they want him to confess so much so that they can get him, you know, killed for treason or whatever, blasphemy.
1: And that's the thing, isn't it? It's clever on Jesus' part because he's not giving them what they need because if Jesus said yes, then they have every authority under the law to do that. he doesn't give them what they need and he Pilate says that he can't kill him and Herod does that; they find no charges because Jesus never directly says it so it's it's clever.
2: I just like how he says like you say that I am so it's almost like well you're the one who's been saying for the last few weeks that I'm the son of son of God and you've been watching all my healings and you know you've accepted it and now all of a sudden you're like you know oh we want to kill him for it
1: they didn't accept it that's the point yeah it's like you say it's like you know it's almost taunting them isn't it and mm. saying you're, you're saying i'm not so what are you saying now that i am is if i am are you accusing me it's it's really funny isn't it what mm. do you guys think
0: well I i've just been thinking about it and it feels a little bit like jesus is treating the trial as beneath him almost you know like it's not worthy of his answers or his time but i think there's something else that's occurred to me is all along this journey he's he's letting things happen to him so Mm -hmm. he knows that all of this stuff's got to happen but he's also not actively bringing it about he's it's Judas who, who betrays him. It's other people who carry him off. It's other people who try him. Even in the trial, when he has a chance to change the course of this, he doesn't really interfere in that. So on one hand, it's a bit like he's saying, oh, this has nothing to do with me. This is your trial, your human little activity that you're doing. But on the other hand, he's not getting in the way of that happening either. He, you know,
2: mm-hmm.
0: He knows that this is what's supposed to happen to him, and he's letting that take place
3: hmm. it's like you only watch a film and you know or i find it's more when i re-watch a film and you know what's going to happen normally in like comedies or you know something someone does something stupid and you're like oh if you just didn't do that the whole this whole thing wouldn't have happened Do you know what i mean mm. and it's like now the crowd is saying crucify him and pilot is saying but i haven't got anything to pin on him mm. and it's like if you just stuck with that yeah, The whole course of history would have changed. The world would be a completely different place if that just won. Because he did try and fight it. He did try and say, I can't find anything to pin on him. I'd have no reason to crucify him. But Pilate bowed to the will of the people, which was a whole other story. But if he had just hadn't done that and stuck with what he'd said originally, just, yeah, everything would be different. And mm. I just find myself like willing it to be different. And it's like, like, when I re-watch a film, I'm like, oh, just don't do that. But then I'm like, but I'm watching this film. There'd be no film if they didn't do that stupid thing. <laughs> like, they have to do that stupid thing for the story to happen. Mm. And it's like, I'm willing myself while I watch that film for it not to happen because I'm cringing or whatever. And rereading this, I'm, like, willing the words on the page to change. Like, J- Pilot, just don't. Just don't do that. Yeah. But it's too late.
0: <laughs> but I always wonder if Pilot is a person who supports jesus in some small way or is he just a person that really believes in fairness yeah. it's like it's like uh in a kind of criminal trial and there's a difference between whether someone's guilty and the kind of trying to make sure they get a fair trial thing yeah. um like things like is the evidence legal and mm-hmm. um is it beyond reasonable doubt all these almost technical things rather than the simple decision about whether they're guilty or not guilty. It reminds me of that a lot and I always find that really interesting. It's, it's like if you, to turn it the other way around, if you know and you're absolutely sure that someone's guilty of a crime but you don't actually have the evidence to mm. show that, it's almost, it's trying to decide whether it's more important to have justice or it's more important that they get a fair trial. And I, mm. I think like the last episode where I was trying to imagine what Peter's going through when he's denying Jesus, I'm trying to imagine what Pilate's going through mm. and what's motivating him.
3: I was just thinking, so I've been studying a bit of law lately with, in my degree, and it's something we can all see, I think, that the law is never fair to everybody. It's not it's supposed to be, but it's not something that treats every individual fairly, and especially throughout history it's really clear to see that there were are there groups in society that are always disadvantaged by law, mm-hmm. so historically women, very disadvantaged in the eyes of the law, mm-hmm. and in courts, uh, so much so that they can't uh, represent, they can't be called as a witness, all these sort of things, that they just don't count as a person, and then... Obviously, racism is a factor in the law as well, less overtly now, but there is institutional racism. Mm. um, And what I'm trying to say is that law is never truly fair to everybody. And Mm. this is an instance where we've got a person who the people just don't like for whatever reason. Historically, it could have been because he was a woman or because he was of a certain ethnicity. But in this case, it's because they don't like what he's saying. They don't like his teaching. They don't like him and they're using the law to get rid of him. Mm, good point. Yeah. Does that
0: make any sense? I mean, no, like it no, it does. No, <laughs> no, it does.
1: It no, does, does make good. sense. One of the things that I hadn't really considered too much that really struck me when I was reading this was Herod's little part in this. So there's two things to that. One was that he was actually almost excited to see Jesus because he wanted mm. to see him perform. Like, it says he wanted to see um, to see him perform a sign of some sort. So was that, like, that's quite an interesting point. But then the second of all was the la- last line of this bit about Herod was verse 12 of 23 when it says, that day Herod and Pilate became friends. Before this, they had been enemies. Mm. Like interesting that this is what brought them together. <laughs> Pilate bringing Jesus to him, made them friends. Mm. Like, that's just really funny to me. Um, I don't really know why. It's just, I thought this little quip about Herod is really interesting. He was excited to see Jesus cause he wanted to see him perform. And is that because he was, was it like curiosity or was it, he just wanted to see that it wasn't true. Like there's so much to that, I think.
2: Mm. So is this the same Herod? I assume it's not the same Herod that was around when Jesus was born.
3: It's gotta be how many. I don't Herods think are it
2: is there? though, is it? It's, I don't think it is. It, I have got a feeling that the other Herod dies, didn't he? But I I thirty what,
0: years later, it could
3: be.
2: I've got this feeling if it wasn't if it was the same
0: Herod, I feel like we'd have seen him continuously throughout his yeah. life.
3: What I was gonna say I had no I idea like, Herod was in the Easter story.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I feel like that first King Herod goes and that's when it becomes safe for like newborn yeah. boys and stuff. Here we go. Herod the Great, client king of Judea, who built the Second Temple, and in the New Testament orders the massacre of the innocents. And then we've got Herod Antipas, tetrarch of Galilee and Perea, and in the New Testament orders the death of John the Baptist and mocks Jesus. Doesn't no, say it? that's the one that kills him, but
3: because to be fair, the different, different ones. Um, Actually, in what we're reading, it doesn't say King Herod, does it? It just says Herod.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, true. Yeah. So so they are different people. Yeah. But if I was Jesus, I would have a rule that I just don't talk to people called Herod. (laughs) Yeah, there'd be a massive trust issue.
1: Also, remember, Jesus, when he's sent to him, he knows this is the one who killed John the Baptist. Oh, yeah. John the Baptist died before Jesus mm. so it's like you know John the Baptist was not only was it his cousin he was also you know quite closely affiliated with Jesus imagine you know you you've just been arrested you know you're about to die but then not only that you're about to go in front of the man who's murdered your cousin like that's that's almost quite I, would, I definitely wouldn't want to answer to him, mm. I, and no wonder he didn't. You know, I mean, I, I don't think Jesus would have performed a sign for him anyway because he didn't do them to prove that he was the Son of God. He did them for like restoration. He did them for the person's like sake to save the person, but not for glory. But it's almost like you know when you read plots of stories and you think, oh, that's just a, another knife in the, isn't it? It just adds to the level of kind of pain, I guess. I don't know if pain is the right yeah. word. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, going back to the crowd thing, I do think that's so interesting because I remember as a child um, kind of hearing this story in school and stuff and you, I think your instinct is to just think, oh, the crowd, what an absolute bunch of idiots. They don't know what they're doing. How could they be so cruel? They don't even know Jesus personally. All of this kind of stuff. But I think as I've got older, I I think actually, would a modern crowd be any different? I think we see that all the time. That kind of um, there's almost a bandwagon thing, isn't there, on so many issues. Yeah. Um, you know, we see that on social media all the time. We see that in politics, not to get into any specific issues now. <laughs> yeah, I think we um we see it all the time actually. I think once you get a big group of people together. Mm. It can often be such a negative thing. I think we kind of assume that this crowd was a one-off and they had a particular way of thinking, but actually it's probably how any crowd would feel. They've been goaded up and told to feel a certain way and it's just much easier to act like sheep and go along with everyone else. And you think how many of that
2: crowd were at the Mount of, you know, the Sermon on the Mount and things like that, where, that again, they were all for him, they were, you know, some of them have maybe even been healed by Jesus. And yet they're probably now, like you say, <clears> getting caught up in the, the fake news, as one politician would say. Well, uh, I mean, a
0: week before it was Palm Sunday.
2: Yeah. Well, it shows, isn't it? Like they're welcoming him in to their, their city. And then a few days later, it's no, we won't. We want the murderer released, not some street preacher in a sense. Um yeah. so it's very yeah I, I totally I totally get that because I think there's a there's a real sense of that kind of sheep herding nature of what crowds can be um and it's you know like you say it's the same today as it's always been you know
3: but today it would probably be more of a virtual crowd online yeah um not just because of the virus but just in general it's always online and you see these issues come up and you quite often see people sharing Like, just one side of the story. Mm -hmm. Um, The example that stood out to me was, of I'm going to get her name wrong, Shemaima Begum last year, the Muslim girl who flew to Syria to join IS, but then she regretted her decision and wanted to come back to the UK to her family. And basically everything I saw was just, how dare she, she can't come back here. Like, all this negative stuff about her, when actually nobody knows who she is. Nobody knows her personally, nobody's spoken to her, all they're doing is jumping on a bandwagon of everyone else saying, we don't want this girl here, get rid of her, keep her out, and it's just like sharing that negativity, and you, if that's all you see, that's the opinion you're going to form, because you can't you can't get away from it, so it's like being in that crowd, it's like, you only have that one opinion, it doesn't take much for that opinion to spread throughout all the people, and for it to become poison.
0: Yeah, But... I also wonder, because we see so often that the extreme voices are the loudest voices, and we see that in, for example, comment sections on social media, Mm. I, for one, don't tend to comment very often on a news story or that kind of thing or a YouTube video,
2: Mm.
0: because your voice is just lost amongst usually a sea of negativity occasionally it's the other way around and people are really positive about something and you're the one who's a bit, maybe a bit more cynical. Yeah. You know, sometimes you maybe know a bit more about a situation. So there's reasons for that. Mm. And it makes me wonder if actually, the majority of public opinion at the time was for Jesus, but it was those loud negative, maybe minority voices that won the day Mm. at the trial. And the reason for me thinking that is maybe there was this great heartbreak at the time as well for all those people who'd seen Jesus, heard him speak, um, had stories about him speaking, friends of the disciples, family members, that kind of thing. And when this decision was made, it just um, tore them to pieces. Mm. And I suppose there's a parallel for our lives maybe. When we feel like Christianity maybe doesn't have a place so much in society, maybe we get a little sense of that pain now thinking hang on you don't know or you haven't spent as much time thinking about these things as i have you've Mm. dismissed it out of hand and that kind of pain that goes
2: along with that Mm. see i think there's there's real power something i was going to say before you even sort of said that joe was the power of the silence um like even in the sense of jesus there's a little bit where he speaks but actually throughout this according to this uh this sort of um what's the word i'm thinking the manuscript he he doesn't say a thing and i think there's real power in the silence as well like even in in these times of persecution and hate and anger and uh mockery against him it could have been very easy i mean if it was one of us you know you would try and fight for yourself and go that's not true that's unfair but he stayed silent and was like, well, if you say I am, and that was the, that was it. Or he doesn't say anything at all. And I think, yeah. And like you say, I think there's also that silence from his disciples and those people that did follow Jesus and those people that did believe in in, that he was the son of God, that this silence is so powerful. And I don't know if there's beauty in that. I think there is, but yeah, I think there's just, that really stood out for me just sort of, As we're just kind of looking through and just seeing everything he had to deal with, all these people that he came into contact with, he stayed silent.
1: Um, Yeah, so many thoughts have just been like going through my head. I think one of the things that um, I have always thought, and it's often spoken about quite a few times in a lot of commentaries and a lot of um, messages I've heard about Jesus being brought before this stage, and is that... the. The people are doing this because they're a little bit at a discord with Jesus because perhaps he's not doing what they thought he was. Um, remember, like the language at the time that people often use for him was like the king as the savior. And they didn't realize that that would be a savior of their souls and a savior of them for eternity and in heaven. They thought it meant somebody to free them from oppression of the Roman rule. Mm-hmm. And so. When he's not done that, they're a bit like, well, he's just this man who's saying all these things. He's not actually. Yeah, he's, he may have done a few miracles, but he's not. You know, he's not going to do this grand thing. So he might as well just be crucified. So I always think about that and how it was perhaps their discord at him not being what they wanted him to be, mm. and that that's very much of what we do with Jesus. You know, we place Jesus in our box. Mm. Well, Jesus? I want Jesus to be what he is for me. So. If I need, you know, if I'm going through this, Jesus needs to be this. If I'm going to, we limit Jesus to being what we want mm. of him. And I think that's just so human and actually really wrong of us to do. We Jesus is everything more, more, and more so, and more so. And we need to kind of remove ourselves from that situation. Mm. But really early on, when you were talking, Lucy, I, um, when you said about Pilate, and him offering it to that and him choosing to go with the people. I think about a word that I've heard quite a lot recently is about about conforming to the world and how following the, the decisions of the world rather than of yourself. Because I'm sure we have all had things where we perhaps wanted to go with, we've been conflicted about whether we follow the world or we follow what's going on internally. And I think pilots a testament of that. And last episode, Lucy, you talked about a social situation, perhaps that Salvationists might resonate with is being out with friends and them drinking and that's of the world, you know, that behaviour, well, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, for uh Salvationists, so the denomination we belong to, if you become a uniformed junior soldier or senior soldier, um, you sign a covenant with God called an Articles of War, and in that you make a covenant to abstain from the use of substances like alcohol and drugs as among other things and that can be a conflict there you know it's this do i follow the, do i turn to the world or do i turn to what i know in myself and often how often do we turn to the world and we go to the world for answers and that's what pilot did he what's the answer for this he just turned to the people he didn't turn to what internally he was battling because we see here that he clearly was didn't think it was right to do that mm. but it's so easy for us to for us to do that and it's a real lesson and actually i don't think when people really bash Pilate, i'm always a bit like I, I wouldn't be so that to that because we do that so very often in our world we we look to answers for the world when we actually should look to jesus and we are we are so very often do that yeah <laughs>
3: Yeah, I was thinking the same. I actually feel so sorry for Pilot being in that position because he's got, I don't know how many hundreds of people in front of him that he's trying to please. But then he's also got a man's life on the line. Mm. And it's actually so difficult to try and please that many people. Like even there's four of us here, if we tried to decide where to go for dinner, we would have conflicts, wouldn't we? Like that's four people trying to make one decision. He's got hundreds of people out there and he's trying to make a decision that he's not very comfortable with and it's it's so difficult. I mean I've, I've only been a manager at work for a couple of months and I manage maybe 50 people and it's so difficult trying to make sure everybody is happy with something and you never achieve that, you can never achieve that. You implement something that you have thought through, you've thought about it for weeks you've been thinking about this and you implement the thing that you think is going to be the best solution or whatever it is and I guarantee you there will be unhappy voices (laughs) there'll be people that pipe up and they don't like what you've done even though you've battled over it for hours and hours and that's just human nature isn't it we can never all agree on the same thing so Mm -hmm. I feel so sorry for Pilot being in front of those hundreds of people and even though they seemingly had one voice He disagreed with that voice but he still went with the will of the people and that must have been so difficult for him Mm. and I wonder how much guilt he had after that yeah what effect that had on his life and his faith and just yeah the rest of his life really Mm.
1: because in a sense he was he was really damned either way because if he didn't if he freed Jesus would you have had an uprising would they have revolted these people? Would the What would the religious leaders have done? Would there have been, you know, an issue with them? You know, they could have caused, they could have said to the people, you know, he's against us, he's not for us, let's rise up against them. So, mm. yeah, mm. part, you know, some people may disagree, but Pilate isn't the enemy in this. You know, the devil in this moment, Satan t- took over those people and allowed, he sought and he, and through that, pilot was led by satan in that way through the the people's voices being louder mm. and it's interesting because he said their shouts prevailed it was almost you know like when you have like the the good and the bad on you it's like which one's shouting louder it's like you said earlier joe isn't it how the negative voices it was like their shouts prevailed you know mm. his internal thoughts of you know it's not right he hasn't done anything we're just being squashed by all these loudness going crucify him, crucify him. it was just overwhelming i, I think
0: i think a Sorry, mine's really quick. Sorry. I think of like, um, you know, when you put a pan of pasta on (laughs) and you let the water boil and it boils over, right? And you like kind of turn the heat down a bit. But it's just like it's always there bubbling away. And, you know, if if Pontius hadn't gone with... Sorry, I don't know him that well. If Pilot hadn't gone with the crowd on that occasion, maybe a few weeks or months later, it would have gone the same way. So, you know, same guy... Could have been a different guy, but same outcome.
1: And ultimately, we know that this, this had to happen.
0: Mm.
1: We can blame the people, we can blame Pilate, Pontius Pilate, but we know that this this had to happen for Jesus yeah. to die. And I think we can't get lost up in the detail of these things. And yes, it's important to consider and to think about them as people, and they are people at the end of the day. And I think it's just like that moment with Jesus in the last episode. I think Jesus would have been looking at P- Pilate the same way. Mm. Saying, I know, I get it. You know, this is this is God's will. This is to happen. I think
2: um, something that I mentioned in the last episode, and I keep um, is that TV shows and and films they're a great way of kind of being a bit of an insight into what it could have been like. And um, I think it was the Bible series which was on was it BBC? Yeah.
1: Um,
2: At this point, I remember it because at the time, I thought this was really interesting was that they had the crowd and they were like, oh, so who wants Jesus to go to the cross kind of thing? And you could hear people saying, no, no, Barabbas goes to the cross. But you could see the religious leaders getting people up, almost like hitting people to say yes. And that's always stood out. So this whole moment of, I'd love, again, love to be in there. To kind of experience that atmosphere. Like, were there actually maybe 70, 30 of people actually going, no, Barabbas, Jesus is innocent, but then people being turned for the fear of their own life.
3: Mm.
2: Um, yeah. And again, this is the whole thing of um, you think of yourself in that moment. And I think we'd all we'd all do that. Like actually, would mm-hmm. I want to die just over someone potentially getting arrested kind of thing. Does that make sense?
3: Um, You're in a situation where you're in a conversation and everybody seems to be agreeing on the same thing and you're like, am I the only one that disagrees with this? And you don't feel like you can speak up because you're like, everyone else is like on this side of the fence and I'm on the other side. So I don't feel like I can put my voice out there. But then actually, if you knew that a lot of those people didn't mean what they were saying and you weren't the only one, you'd be able to speak up. So I think it happens to us all in even
1: the most innocent of situations. Yeah. I thought, like, totally just sort of when you were saying that, John, about how all these were the no's, you know, were there more people wanting to say, you know, actually save Jesus and kill Barabbas, but they were fearing for their own lives, you know. Jesus had just been arrested. You know, the disciples could have been among this crowd, wanted so much to scream out and say, no, but for fear of their own lives... Because if they said yes, would they be arrested too, and would that
2: the same outcome the
1: same okay. outcome, and yeah. that fear could have been um just instilled in them, and it doesn't justify their actions, of no. course, but you can totally understand you know if the disciples or any anyone, anyone was there that wanted to shout out, but just for fear of their own lives couldn't they were watching Jesus about to be crucified for nothing, mm. so they knew that that totally could happen to them too It's not like. You know, now for us, for most part, we know, like you said, Lucy, we get a fair trial in things. But in this case, they were just about to see that that wasn't really going to happen. If Jesus was to be crucified, there was no real. Even the lawmaker said there is nothing for me to se- send him to death. There is no evidence. Yeah. So these, mm-hmm. if they shouted, "No, they could go to death for the same thing." Yeah, That's scary. Yeah, it's not a world. But as as people of privilege. You know, we, are, we live in, in the United Kingdom in a, a system of law that has a fair trial. We have a right to a fair trial under human rights. We're also, you know, we have money. We have two men on this panel. So that's, for us, that's not something we can really ever relate to. You know, we go to court, we testify. There is nothing against us at this time, I'd hope, that would ever defame my voice or my testimony or my evidence. So we can't really understand that, can we?
3: Yeah, but it does still happen around the world, doesn't it? You see it all the time in the international news. People have been imprisoned for speaking out against something or for having a view on something. And for us, it's just so alien that somebody could be arrested for an opinion or for something so small. Mm. But it, it does happen.
2: In throughout all of this, what would I have done? Would I have stayed silent? You know, and we say like in today's world where so many so many people in the world that they live in, like Beth said, you know, we're very privileged where where we are. How many people have to stay quiet? Because if they do make a comment or whatever, they could they could be killed for it.
3: As we heard before, if the we are silent, the stones will cry out. Mm. Where was that? I can't remember.
2: That was in um Oh, where was that?
0: Joe, where was that? Well, that was in one of our previous episodes, wasn't it? That Was <laughs> that the Palm Sunday one, I think? Yes, yeah. it was. Yeah, the
3: first episode. Yes,
2: it was the if
0: first If people
3: episode. are silent, the stones will cry out. And in this particular instant, the people were silent. Mm. But also, so is Jesus. Mm. Well, I didn't hear any stones crying out, so I'm not really sure what that refers to.
2: It just came to me, the stones do cry out when he dies on the cross because the earth shook.
1: Yeah, they do. Yeah. Hmm.
2: Oh.
1: yeah. oh, split,
3: don't you? yeah? Maybe scraps. <laughs> so the stones did cry out, and it sort of come full circle within our little podcast. That <laughs> that's how we yeah. started,
1: and we're I
2: just thought of that.
1: I find after you know after he goes to Herod and they have this back and forth, he's just silent. Like Jesus is, it. Oh, it almost could be, and this is kind of like poetic. I think. Jesus doesn't even have to be there for this bit because it's going to happen either way. Does that make Mm. sense? You know, the silence of Jesus speaks quite volumes in that he could have said anything and it wouldn't have mattered. Like, his presence there really doesn't matter because the people were going to rise up and things were going to happen either way, so...
0: You're saying he could have got holiday cover.
1: (laughs) Yep. Mm. Could have got
3: a lookalike in.
1: Yep.
0: (laughs) Stunt double. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say, I always thought... um, Pontius Pilate had a really cool name. You wouldn't want to call your son it, though, would you? Or daughter. I don't know. It just seems a bit movie star to me, you know? P- Pontius. Or Pontius Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate. Both together. It's the combo.
1: But, so, also, sometimes like, we miss the, like, some details and things. And that. So, the fact that there was Barabbas and Jesus and Pontius Pilate... Um, had the option to set one free. That only could happen at the Passover festival, which we know had just happened. So that's that's one of the traditions of the Passover festival that Pilate can set a prisoner free. But again, isn't it, it's like that poetic way in that Jesus paid the price for Barabbas. It's Mm. almost, it's the foretelling of what he was about to do anyway, you know. Mm. He took the place of the prisoner, of the person who did the wrong thing, who murdered, who did that sinful thing, he took the place is there's not you know it wasn't just anybody it was someone who'd committed something so horrific against a lot another human being so there is all there's the imagery of that that we have to remember and those nothing of these deep nothing of this section and the, the beginning of the end goes untold there is nothing that isn't important to showing us teaching us anything about Jesus it's all there everything there has powerful meaning and I just think Mm. I love when we look at this because you just read over these verses so sometimes you can sorry just read over these verses and read them like just another story that you know so well but it's so important for us to think about these things because this just just reflects so much of what we need a reminder of and need to understand again in the story
2: imagine being Barabbas in this moment. Like, yeah. would, would you be thankful to Jesus or would you not even care about Jesus in that moment and just be like, oh, well, I'm free.
1: Mm. And
2: that's that's a big thing for me, because I think, you know, this guy who has created a lot of hateful and hurtful things in the past is on the verge of, you know, as many would say, getting what he deserves, getting a taste of his own medicine and this Jesus guy comes along and takes his place, like Beth said, you know, it's almost like a foretelling of what he's about to do for all of us.
0: It's interesting because Jesus doesn't get a say in taking Barabbas' place again, just like he doesn't get a say in being crucified in general. And I think maybe that has an impact on how Barabbas reacts as well, because it's not like it's something that Jesus does out of love is someone it's a decision that was made for him, yeah, and we know that um Barabbas was there because of starting a riot and for being a murderer, and it is it would be interesting to know
2: whether he changes or whether whether he remains the same. Mm. I just think that's a really interesting character that we don't really hear about, but only in that short space of time where it's almost parallels of him and Jesus, isn't it? Like, Jesus probably caused riots, but in a good way, if that makes sense. Uh, I think you know, Jesus probably caused a bit of an uproar because he's coming in as the, you know, certainly you know, from Palm Sunday into where he's at now. He's sort of journeyed through into this city on a triumphal entry. And a says that's a riot for me because it's like, you know, stating a almost like an intent. And then you've got on the other parallel to that, you've got a, a guy called Barabbas who probably caused riots against the Romans, didn't like paying taxes to some guy called Julius Caesar, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also the, you've got the murderous side of Barabbas and the the giver of life and the giver of second chances, third chances, fourth chances that you see in Jesus. So, yeah, I think there's there's beauty in that part as well for me.
1: I've just remembered something and I'm trying to find it in, in the In the Gospels but I can't. Um, Pilate's wife has a dream that Jesus is innocent and sends a note to him and I can't remember where it is. I don't know if I've just made that up. I don't think I have. I've
2: never heard that before. I've never heard that before. Are you getting enough sleep, (laughs) hon?
1: Pontius Pilate's wife, the unnamed spouse of Pontius Pilate, who appears only once in the Gospel of Matthew, where she intercedes with Pilate on Jesus' behalf. Oh, no, it's in in Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew.
0: She wasn't her name, she was called Polly. Pontius and Polly. Oh yes, here it is. So, in Matthew
1: 27, verse 19, so the subtitle to this chapter is Jesus before Pilate, but then verse 19 says, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him a message, Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus executed.
2: Wow.
1: I knew I'd read that somewhere.
0: (laughs) You didn't make it up. But it shows another pull on him, right? He's been pulled in every direction. It's not just his own conscience that's um, pulling him towards Jesus. It's also his wife. And the crowd's
2: pulling him in the other way. It must have been really hard. Yeah. Well, I've never heard that bit before. So you learn something every day. Yeah. Holly Pile. Eh? Yeah. And she's a, a martyr slash saint. Mm.
1: But yeah.
3: So, so his lesson. wife
1: pulled so his wife was like, No, don't do it. So in the end he knew it couldn't lie on him. So rather than him having to make that final decision, he gave it over to the people. But he knew he could do that because the Passover law allowed him to do that. Because the Passover law allowed one prisoner to be set free. He just placed it into the hands of the people. Because they, the famous act of Pontius Pilate, isn't it, is washing your hands a bit. Yeah. Like,
2: yeah.
1: As this.
0: I always remember that.
1: Yeah. It's
2: the birth of democracy.
0: Ancient Greece, mate.
1: Close enough. <laughs> oh. Yeah. is there anything to take anyone like got anything like to take away just a little bit round to round up a little bit more
0: i think i've just been struck by jesus's passiveness in all this mm. and like you say beth he might as well have not been there in many ways i don't think i've quite noticed that before i've been aware that it was the trial that decided his fate more than anything but i think it's just struck me that he was letting the humans get on with it mm. And he was following what he knew had to happen. I just think that's such an interesting position to be in. And the emotions that must have gone behind that are really interesting to think about.
1: Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, we, I mean, we don't ever forget about Jesus. But I think in this bit of the story, we're always so ready to to be like, damn the people. Damn Pontius Pilate. And let's say, like, people have blamed the Jews for this long enough, can I say? like, mm. And that's not where, you know, and... The wrongness of that you know that's just a whole nother political thing we, that we're not going to get into Jesus was still you know was still there, but chose to just allow these things to happen, and the power in that and the the pain in that as well he that that must have taken to him to just stand by silently and watch one of the most powerful things I've learned recently I wouldn't really so say as a leader, but. When you take on new roles and responsibility, particularly within a church, there are things that can come quite difficult. I kind of learned from the leader for the area of Southeast that we are in, in the Salvation Army, just a lesson about there's power in in silence because we don't always have to respond. We don't, even if an attack is coming at you or against somebody else, sometimes silence is, is okay and there is power in that and learning that is really hard because you want to defend yourself. And I always, sometimes I've thought, why hasn't Jesus stood and defended himself? Why hasn't he said these things? And I think the disciples and maybe his mother and, you know, the people who followed him so closely and loved him dearly have been like screaming internally or shouting loudly. Why aren't you defending yourself? But actually there is sometimes so much power in being silent. And you know the truth. God knows the truth. And sometimes that's all that's needed because these people clearly aren't going to change their opinion for this. For the sake of history happening and it needs to happen so I'm really thankful for that lesson that I've learned recently and it's echoed in that Mm. in the silence of Jesus here he there is no need for him to respond him saying that he is innocent isn't going to change you know their opinion and he knows he's the son of God God knows he's the son of God and that's ultimately all that matters so that's really powerful for me to remind myself of that today
0: cool Okay, I think that's um, a good place to wrap up, but I feel like we've all picked up on different things during our conversation, and I think we'll probably go on thinking about them in the next days and weeks. I think that's the power of a story in many ways, is just different things come at you every time you read it, and different things come to mind as you reflect on it. So I just pray that us as a group of four and everyone who's taken time to listen or maybe get something new from the story. And um, I pray that we'll all get a bit closer to God and reveal new things to us as we think about Easter. I pray that, especially as we are in this Easter period, that we'll keep learning things and God will keep revealing new things to us. So yeah, thank you for taking time to listen. Please find us on our social channels, as I mentioned at the start. We really would love to hear from you and hear what you're thinking. And if you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend, maybe. Just send them a link or send them a screenshot of what you're listening to, because I think the more people listen to us, the better. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, take care and see you next episode. Bye.
1: Bye. Bye. Toodaloo.